Turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. We are continuing in our Miracles of Christ series this morning, but we're jumping ahead a little bit so that we can talk about the 10 lepers. And of course, nine of them went on along their merry way once being healed by Christ, but one returned and gave thanks and glory to God. And so we're going to look at thankfulness this morning, of course, being uh, Thanksgiving Sunday, but we are going to stick with our series, The Miracles of Christ. And so going forward, we will jump backwards a little bit, but we did jump forward for this message this morning. Luke chapter 17. Now, I misspoke last week and I announced that uh, I was going to have Brother Crevar preach tonight, um, but I had already, I had just forgotten, I would already promised him uh, that he could have the weekend. He's gone to see some family this weekend and uh, Uh, For his family, it's a a little more difficult. Only his mom knows the Lord. And so for his grandparents and uncles and all the rest of their very, very close-knit family, uh, they don't understand uh, that he can't come to something because he's at church. And so they have a real hard time with that. And so uh, he's, he's going to church with Brother Eagles this morning and this evening, uh, but he wanted to try to be there to witness to his grandpa and his uncle. So you've been praying with him uh, as, as they do that. We've known that whole family for years, and I sat there actually in their living room when uh, Cody was just two years old and his little sister was just a newborn and uh, Pastor Masker witnessed uh, to Cody's dad, gave him the full gospel and uh, I, I played with the kids in another room to try to keep them. You know, the devil will always try to distract when you're giving the gospel and sometimes he uses children and so those children were getting wanting to play and so we took them to the other room and I remember some of my earliest memories of Cody are wrestling with him as a two-year-old all those years ago and so uh, be in prayer though as, as Cody has a heart to win his family to the Lord. So he will not be preaching tonight. Uh, he said, uh, "He said you promised." I said, "I'm sorry. I'll keep my word. I just slipped my mind." And so uh, I didn't realize when he spun around in his seat and looked at me last week. That's what he was thinking. I thought he was shocked he had to preach, but it wasn't that at all. And so uh, uh, just pray for him. And so tonight we're going to actually have uh, Brother Justin Heath. He's home for the weekend, and uh, we're glad to have him. We haven't had him preaching a long, long time, and so we'll be glad to have him preach tonight. It's always good to have one of our Bethel boys come home. And so uh, you pray for. Justin as he's uh, preparing his heart even now. And uh, so I, I know what it's like, Brother Justin, when I hear somebody else preach, I always find other messages. And so if I see you writing notes or something, I'll know you're working on tonight and that's okay. Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, look at verse 11 with me, if you will. Luke chapter 17 and verse 11, are you glad to be saved today? And God is so good to us. And uh, just overwhelming. And I, I, I shared that video this morning. I knew that it would be a tender spot for many people in the church. And I didn't mean to invoke any emotion in that way. But I thought, what a wonderful testimony of how even in trial and tragedy, somebody can give thanks. And see the hand of God move in their lives. And how God can use those circumstances uh, to bring other people to Jesus Christ. And you know, that always comes back to our attitude. How are we going to approach a trial? In everything, give thanks. Uh, Brother Vasek was with us uh, about a year and a half ago, and he preached on that very verse, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. And he taught us that night, if you remember, it was a Wednesday night, they were just passing through and, and stopped in and sang for a few, a few songs and then preached. The Bible does not say, for everything, give thanks. It says, in everything, give thanks. There's a lot of things that we honestly are not thankful. I'm not thankful for cancer. I don't have cancer. I don't want to mislead anybody. But uh, if, if you know anybody that has cancer, you're not thankful for it. 
But in the situation, we can still give thanks to God for his many blessings, his grace, his mercy, and the things that he does. I'm excited today that I learned this week that George's brain tumor is gone. Amen. Three people are excited about that. Listen, I'm telling you what, that, my, my wife and I broke down in tears when we heard that. What a wonderful blessing, beautiful young lady to be afflicted like that. And praise God that God and the doctors say, well, I guess we got the treatment just right. And we got this, hey, we got a big God. That's what got right. Amen. We got a God that can heal and we thank God for that. So continue to pray for her as the doctors are going to be fussing over her still and trying to figure out everything. But we thank the Lord that the brain tumor is gone. And so we thank and give praise for that today. Luke chapter 17, look at verse 11. We see here the story of the 10 lepers. It only appears in the book of Luke. Luke was the only one that recorded it by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now understand that Jesus dwelt in the regions of Galilee for most of his ministry. The Bible uh, talks about Capernaum. And as he was in Capernaum a lot of times, that's where Peter was from. And if you go to Capernaum today, there's a sign that, uh, right on the gates of the city that say, the city of Jesus, Capernaum. He spent a lot of time there and ministering to people and helping people and, and doing miracles. And that was the area of Galilee. And and just below Galilee was the region of Samaria. And if you were going to get to Jerusalem and down in Judea, you would have to travel either east across the Jordan River and then south and back across the Jordan again, as many people would do just to avoid the Samaritans. Or you'd have to go through the heart of Samaria as Jesus was prone to do. And so the Bible says that he was leaving this area and he was headed to Jerusalem in verse 11. And he would pass through the midst of Samaria and Galilee as he did so. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Father, we thank you for your word. We do give you thanks and praise today, Lord, for your healing touch and power. Lord, we've been, the last several Sundays, looking at the miracles of Christ, but we're always so blessed and thankful And when we hear of one in our midst, and we do praise you today for taking this brain tumor, healing so many others over the years, and God... Uh, Words are not enough to express. As the songwriter said, if the oceans were filled in ink and every, the sky with parchment made and every stalk on earth a quill, we uh, still could not contain the whole of all that you've done for us. So we thank you and praise you. Lord, may you help us today. Fill me with thy Holy Spirit. I desperately need your help. And we ask that you'd speak to our hearts. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've jumped ahead about 10 chapters in our study for this morning's purposes, we have to come to the understanding that there comes a certain point in 
Jesus' ministry that his miracle-working power has been well-established now. This is at the nearing the end of the year of popularity and Jesus has been ministering and working and healing and raising people from the dead and word has spread throughout Israel that God has visited his people. It's been recorded that there are those who when touched by Christ, the Bible says they blazed it or brought or they published it much. Several times it has been written that his fame spread throughout Galilee. The Bible says his fame spread throughout the region and his fame spread throughout the country even. We even read in Mark chapter 14 how his fame had now reached the ears of Herod. Jesus was well known. He was no longer a secret. He no longer needed to prove that he was the son of God. He didn't need to prove that he had authority over demons or had the power to heal the sick or even raise the dead. It was now established fact. So we might ask in Luke chapter 17, then why would he continue to perform miracles? If people were coming to him only for his power and not in faith in the gift of salvation and believing on him for eternal life, why would he continue to heal somebody? It, it seems that he didn't heal everyone, that he had special appointments with some. And for others, it seems like he'd come in contact and heal everybody. But why did he continue? Well, I'll give you a couple quick answers. I believe, number one, just because of compassion. Jesus Christ is compassion. And then how many times do we read that when blind Bartimaeus cried out, have mercy on me, Jesus heard him and had compassion on him. And throughout the word of God, we see that Jesus Christ is a, the, the incarnate son of God and in the flesh, he showed compassion to man after man. But I want you to also see this believe, uh, today that I believe that he also continued to perform miracles because they were teachable moments. There was something that we can learn from every miracle of Christ that we can apply to our lives today. And I, I believe that this one's no different. So let's look at Luke chapter 17. And I want you to go through the miracle with me as we consider the things that are going on. The Bible says it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And when the Bible says the midst of Samaria and Galilee, I believe it's talking about a specific place. Because the very next verse talks about a certain village. Now, I might say, last year we, we had a good time when we took the kids down to see Noah's Ark. And, and uh, speaking of Noah, Noah Vart went with us. And Noah wanted to write down every state we had gone through. He'd never, left any far, any, never gone anywhere further than Barrie, Ontario before. He says, i got to call my mom. He says, you need to tell me every state we went to, every big city we went through. And so we put down, we went through Michigan and we went through Kentucky and we were in Indiana for just a few miles as we cut back into Kentucky and, you know, in Ohio. And we went through Detroit and we went through Cincinnati and all these big places. And he wrote them all down. Now, uh, we might think of the Bible in a general sense like this, that he passed through Samaria and he passed through Galilee first and then Samaria and then into Judea where Jerusalem was. But I don't believe that's what the Bible's saying here. The Bible says he passed through the midst of Galilee and Samaria. Understand that Israel as a nation was, had these different states in these different places. They had Galilee in the north, they had Samaria, they had Judea. In other times, they had the upper and the lower kingdom. But they were not geopolitical borders like we have today. 
There was no checkpoints to pass through. And so when the Bible says that he was passing through the midst, I believe he was between those two regions. He was just in the southern part of Galilee or the northern part of Samaria, but he was in an area where people were kind of commingling. There was people from Samaria, there was people from Galilee, and they were maybe even getting along. Can you imagine that? They were even perhaps visiting the same marketplaces and going and fetching water in the same places. You see, normal people don't have those fights. It's the politicians that had the problems. It was the Pharisees. It was, Jesus pointed out very well to us, who is your neighbor? And it was the Samaritan that was kind to the Jewish man. And so that's usually a problem for other people. But Jesus was passing through that area, and the Bible says he entered into a certain village. And we see, first of all, this morning in verse 15, I want to bring to your attention an act of mercy. We see first about this miracle, we see an act of mercy. But when I say an act of mercy, we understand the miracle. The Bible says and, uh, in verse 15, and one of them, when he was, saw that he was healed... Turn back and with a loud voice glorify God. The Bible says in verse 14, it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And so we see that the Lord Jesus Christ gives them an act of mercy. But in this act of mercy, I want you to see a purpose this morning. I don't believe that Jesus ever worked just willy-nilly. He didn't do anything that just stood by itself for no purpose whatsoever. And I want to give you some purposes for this act of mercy. First of all, we see he did it to exalt the Father. Notice verse 15 with me. It says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. At some point in the life of this Samaritan, his light went on. Can you imagine what would have happened? As the Lord Jesus Christ is entering, the Bible says he's entering into the village and he hears these 10 men cry out. And I don't believe they're in the village. I believe they're out in a colony outside of the village. And Jesus is about to enter into the gates and off in the distance he hears these men and the Bible says they were afar off. And so he sees them and they say, Jesus, would you have mercy on us? No doubt they'd heard about what Jesus could do. They heard perhaps back in Luke chapter 5 as he touched another leper when no one would dare that he spoke to him and his leprosy was cleansed perhaps they'd heard about blinded eyes being healed and ears being unstopped and even the dead in Luke chapter 7 being raised to life as the widow of Nain was on her way to a funeral and her son sat up perhaps they'd heard all of this and thought Jesus can do something for us but what Jesus did was unusual he said, go and show thyself to the priest. They must have turned to each other and said, what is this? The Samaritan, he may not have even understood because they were not allowed to worship with the Jews. They didn't have a synagogue they could go to. You remember the woman at the well? The, she indicated that they would worship in the mountains in Samaria. They would go to the high places and maybe offer there unto God, but they didn't have synagogues and the Jews looked at each other and he said, oh, he's talking about Leviticus chapter 14. We are to go to the priest and we are to offer unto him that which is required when somebody is healed from leprosy, but we've not been healed yet. And maybe one of them got the idea, well, maybe we should go. 
We've heard what this Jesus can do, and maybe he's just testing our faith, and perhaps we should make our way to the priest. And the Bible says that as they went to the priest, they noticed that they were cleansed. Verse 15 says they were healed. This is speaking of a physical cleansing and a physical healing, and, and, but there was a purpose behind this act of mercy. You'll notice in verse 15 that one turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Can I, can I share something with you this morning, folks? I'm, I'm scared that when we stop glorifying God, he'll stop working. There's a purpose to his working in our lives. There's a purpose to his blessings as the ensemble just sang about. And there's a purpose to what God does. And he wants us to exalt his name and glorify his name. And I'm afraid that if we give up on that and we stop for one moment, God will just stop working in our lives. I think it was last week I shared a little bit about the Song of Solomon, how the bride had gone to bed and she put off her shoes and the bridegroom knocked upon the door but she would not answer she says I've put off my shoes and I've put on my bed clothes and I'm in bed for the night and he put his hand over the keyhole and the smell of myrrh caught her attention and she ran to the door and he was gone but as she went through the streets of the city looking for her beloved, she said, he is sweet and he is dear to me. And she proclaimed the name of the one that she loved and he appeared. The Lord wants us to talk about him. The Lord wants us to proclaim our love for him and to tell how sweet he is. Can, can I just say this as an aside this morning? Listen, don't lose your fervor for evangelism. You know, there's a lot of folks here today, if I can encourage you, there's a lot of folks, you're retired and you've got time off, come and put in two hours at the fair booth. You could have done that this week. Ten people exhausted while others have lots of time on their hands. Don't lose your fervor for evangelism. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is he. The Lord of Lords supreme through all eternity. Let's tell people about him and let's exalt the name of the Lord. And, and you say, why? Because Jesus said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of what Jesus has done, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Give him something. He deserves it. King David was wanting to offer unto the Lord and he was looking for a place to, to, to do his burnt offerings. And you'll remember he was given a threshing floor. And David said, I will not offer anything unto the Lord that costs me nothing. And he insisted on paying because it must be a sacrifice. He understood the glory of God. And so this act of mercy was done that we must give God the Father glory. It was, it was to exalt the Father. Secondly, I believe God showed this act of mercy to elicit faith. Look at the Bible says in verse 19, it says, And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. You'll understand there was ten men that believed in the power of God to heal. But they didn't want to trust Jesus for salvation. They called out for mercy from Jesus Christ, for they heard of the miracles this prophet of Galilee had performed. But only one turned back and had enough faith to be saved. Listen, God works in your life because he's drawing you somewhere. Think about that. The blessings that you experience and the miracles that God has done, it's because he is drawing you closer to him. 
He wants you to trust in him and he wants you to have faith in him. He's eliciting faith and we see also to extend forgiveness. The Bible says in verse 19, and he said unto him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. You'll notice back in verse 14, the Bible says, and it came to pass as they were, uh, as they went, they were cleansed. That word cleanse is only a physical healing. The Bible confirms that in verse 15. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. But to this one that turned back in verse 19, his faith had made him whole. That word whole, do you know what it means in the Greek? It means he was saved. He was cleansed of his sin, that he was washed in the blood. You see, it's not just a physical cleaning as the other nine received, but he also received a spiritual cleansing because of his faith. He was forgiven. We've seen the act of mercy. I want you to see, secondly, the, an appreciation of the miracle. Look at verse 15 and 16. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. It seems to stand a reason if that this man was the only Samaritan in the group. The scripture mentions it twice. First he says he was a Samaritan in verse 16 and verse 18 says he was a stranger. That word stranger means he was one outside of the covenant. He wasn't a Jew. As I mentioned before, they were in the midst of Galilee and Samaria, and I, I believe that Jesus was entering into a Jewish city. And you say, why is that? Because it was Jesus' manner, the Bible says, to go into the synagogue of the city and to teach there. But for whatever reason, these nine men had been cast out of the city, and likely there was also a nearby Samaritan city where this man was cast out of. And because of their common ailments, they were likely, the ten of them, put into the same colony. It was there that the Lord Jesus Christ ministered to them and helped them. And we see that the Bible talks about these ten that were healed, but only the one turned back. And in verse 16, we see his appreciation. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. I want you to notice a couple things about his appreciation. First, we see from the other nine they had a religious approach to Thanksgiving. They had a religious approach to Thanksgiving. You say, what do you mean by that? You'll notice, and the Bible doesn't seem to indicate anything otherwise, that as Jesus commanded them, he said, I want you to go to the priest. We read that all the way back at the beginning. In verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves unto the priest. In Leviticus chapter 14, we can read about that, how they were to offer to the priest and they were to bring a sacrifice of a turtle dove and offer it there in a, as an act of thanksgiving for being healed. And yet these men had not been healed. But notice what the Bible says at the end of verse 14, as they went. They were following the Lord in a solemn obligation. They would Go to the priest like he told them to do. I don't want to suggest this morning that they were not thankful that they were cleansed. I believe they were. Wouldn't you be? I mean, it doesn't matter how it happens. You're going to be thrilled that you look down and realize that your, your skin has been restored and those nubs at the end of your fingers are now growing fingernails and you've got your fingerprints back and you can feel again and you start to touch other parts of your body and realize, I'm whole. 
And so out of solemn obligation, they continued to the priest, I believe, because the Bible says that's where they were headed. And they went ahead and had a religious approach to Thanksgiving. And by the way, I don't believe there's anything wrong with that. I don't think it's wrong for us to congregate. I don't think it's wrong for somebody to get up on a Sunday morning and saying, well, I'm going to church this morning because I want to give thanks to the Lord and I want to worship the Lord with other saints and I want to sing his praises and I'm going to get in the choir and I'm going to serve him in some way today. I, I don't think there's wrong in having solemn obligations in our life to say, this is how I have structured my life and I want to serve the Lord in this way and show him that I'm thankful and that I love him. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But that can't be all that we have. Though the nine Jewish men that went on to the priest had a religious approach to thanksgiving, this Samaritan had a relationship approach to thanksgiving. He understood, I want to thank Jesus in person. I want to spend some time personally with the one that helped me. And so he turned back and glorified God. You see, he understood the connection. And friends, it's important, don't get me wrong, to get together in church and sing his praises and worship together and share testimonies and say how great God is. But listen, it's also important to get in your prayer closet and get alone with God and spend some time and thanksgiving with him. We, we have no evidence that the Samaritan didn't later on go to the temple, the synagogue, to see the priest. I believe he likely did because he was commanded to do so. But what these other men did in solemn obligation, he did from sincere appreciation. There's a difference. Some of you come to church every week because your mom says so, young people. Some of you are here because your wife dragged you here today. Some of you are here because dad's the head of your home and he said, we're going to church. So the wife and kids jump in the car. Some of you are here because you've done it for 50 years. And you don't know what else to do on a Sunday. And you have to come just so that nobody gets your pew. Am I right? Better make sure. You might miss the gossip. That's solemn obligation. Somebody here today because you want to see Jesus. That's sincere appreciation. There's a difference. There was another Samaritan in the Bible who talked about worshiping in the mountains. And Jesus said unto her, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Hey, it's, it's one thing for me to come in here, and by the way, I, I pick all the songs that you're gonna sing. You know? And uh, the choir people, they pick songs, and the ensemble people, they pick songs. We got a list as long, that's how long our list is today. Of all the things that we chose for you to sing, Daniel sang Hallelujah Square. I like that old song. I used to sing that old song. You know, he chose that. He chose to play the love of God, and it pricked my heart, and I said, we're going to sing that this morning. What do you choose to worship God with? This is solemn obligation. Where does sincere appreciation come in? Where do you take some time and say, I'm, I'm going to spend some time thanking God. The Samaritan guy got it all figured out. These others continued on, and, and again, I believe they were thankful, and they were obeying Jesus, and they were going, but the one guy said, wait a minute, fellas. I've got to go back for a minute, because Jesus did something in my life today. 
that that priest doesn't know anything about. And I'm going to tell him when I get there, but he's going to open up the Talmud. And he's going to say, well, Leviticus says that, but the Talmud, our written oral tradition, says this. And he's going to give me tradition. He's going to give me laws. And yes, Jesus wants me to honor him. And Jesus wants me to follow him. But I want to go back and I want to fall on my face. And I want to thank Jesus for what the Father did for me today. That's sincere appreciation. It came from the heart. And then we see, thirdly this morning, We've seen an act of mercy and appreciation of the miracle. Then we see an absence of manners. Look at the next couple verses. Verse 17. I'm going to move very quickly. I know we're out of time. Verse 17. And Jesus answering said, where, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. The Lord Jesus Christ made remark about these nine, and you can hear in his voice, as we read his hurt, can't you? We see a couple things quickly. First of all, they displayed their hearts, didn't they? They displayed their hearts. Nine went back to the priest and they followed through with their obligations, but one man fell on his face before God and he displayed his heart. They were thankful, perhaps, but not enough to be genuinely changed by Christ. Then we see also they disappointed their helper. We see and sense the disappointment of Jesus. And it wasn't because they wanted him, he wanted to be thanked. Look what it says. There are not found they that return to give glory to God. He's talking about his father. Even Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, the son of God on earth incarnate in the flesh had such a humbleness and meekness about him he never said why aren't they thanking me he said oh why wouldn't they come and give glory to God he understood what appreciation was all about and thankfulness I want to give you the last thing we see an act of mercy and appreciation the miracle and absence of manners and I want you to notice as we summarize the actions of the majority Look at verse 18. They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. I want to ask you the question today, what brought them to that place? What brought these nine to a behavior that they had no manners? That they weren't thankful from their hearts to Jesus who just healed them of leprosy? Could it be complacency? Had the news of Christ spread so far and so fast that this miracle was now just a commonplace thing in Israel? Were they complacent? Well, we get complacent pretty easy sometimes, don't we? Hey, let me tell you about somebody who got saved today. Amen. That's, that's good. Amen. Man, you're missing out because there's rejoicing in the presence of angels. And we ought to be excited when somebody gets saved. Let me tell you about a brain tumor that went missing. Nobody's looking for it, by the way. We're not going to go try to find it. Amen? It can stay missing. Oh, amen. That's good, preacher. Amen. God visited us when things like that happen. 
God opened up heaven and reached down his hand and touched a life and saved a soul. Man, that's God. Has it become so commonplace? Are we complacent? Well, I tell you what, go over with the Rays on a missions trip sometime and have to sneak around back alleys and hide down in the basements of places to worship the Lord. They change their address right now every single week. Every week they go to a different place to worship so that the, the police, the communists, don't bust down their doors and take them to jail. You won't be so complacent then. Go to a place where people are having to offer up their lives. A missionary friend of mine by the name of Greg Mann, he, he uh, is a teacher at large now. He worked in Guyana for many years, and he goes now and he trains Muslims, and he, he's good friends with Bill Dobb. He, they went to school together, and, and uh, he goes over and works with Bill sometimes, and he trains Muslims. And the first time he went to a place, and there was five Muslim men that had accepted Christ, and he was training them to go back and to reach their people for the Lord. And he says, do you men understand that you may give your lives doing this. And each one of them said the average lifespan of a pastor in our country is only a year. But we're willing to do it for Christ. Boy, let's not get complacent. God has been so good to us. We ought to rejoice in his blessings. Is it because they were complacent? Is it because they had a sense of entitlement? Understand that these lepers had lived for some time now off the kindness of others and they were used to handouts and perhaps they got to the point where they just had their hand out and said, God, I deserve this. God, I'm expecting something. We ought to expect from God, but we ought to do it in humble faith and not with a sense of entitlement. You see, that's the opposite of thankfulness. When God blesses us, our hearts ought to be moved to the point where we are sincerely thankful to the Lord. Their actions betrayed what they really were. The Bible reminds us that being unthankful is a mark of perilous times that would come. I want you to notice finally this morning as we close that their behavior caused them to miss out on salvation. Look what it says in verse 19. This one came back and he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Now let me put an emphasis here. Thy faith. This man was saved by faith. Thy faith hath made thee whole. But his faith came from his attitude. You see, when he noticed that he was cleansed, he went, I know who did this. And it provoked faith in his heart. And he turned back and he fell upon his face and he glorified God and he gave thanks to Jesus and faith came up in his heart and Jesus said, thy faith hath made thee whole. The other nine said, oh, wonderful. Jesus has the power to heal. He's some great prophet. He's some miracle worker. He's some snake oil seller. But they didn't have faith that he was the son of God with the power to take away their sins. There's a lot of people here today that say, well, I believe in God, and I thank God, and I trust you. No, no, no. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? One was saved. Nine went along their way. Jesus said to one, thy faith hath made thee whole, and his life was forever changed. You say, what is the difference? It goes back to my previous thing. One of them worshiped God through religion. One decided, I want a relationship. And he came to Christ personally 
and trusted in him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. What a lesson on thankfulness that the word of God has for us. Let me ask you today, and let me just boil it down to this. Are you here today? Do you follow the Lord out of solemn obligation or out of sincere appreciation? Only you can answer that. The one with sincere appreciation had some fruit in his life. There was a joy that was bubbling over. There was a humbleness before Jesus Christ as he fell upon his face and he gave glory to God. The ones with sincere obligation, we never hear about them again. We can assume they went on to the synagogue and they found the priest and they offered what they were supposed to offer. But we don't know what happened in their lives if they were ever changed. Which is it for you? Let's stand this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and no one's looking around. The altar's open even now. If God has spoke to your heart, would you step out and come? Oh, that we'd be thankful and give thanks unto the Lord today. Psalm 136 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That means there's never been a moment in your life where God's mercy has not been available. Because it endures forever. And he is eternal. He's from everlasting to everlasting. Would we give thanks to him today? Brother Baker's going to sing. You step out and come.